Hello, and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. We hope you've had a wonderful time since last you listened to our dulcet tones, because we have another doozy for you today. No. Run! No! It's my <laughs> abject... <laughs> you know, it's my terrifying thing. It's, it's pretty much, how the heck do you start this stuff? <laughs> and that's one of my biggest... I don't want to say hang-ups, my deepest fear of like, oh crap, how do I do this? Well, I mean, you just need a good catchphrase and then segue off of that into something more interesting. But the problem is, those of you at home, you have been following along with us as we have been building out the Eden ship for a good chunk of this season. And honestly, it's been kind of fun to put into effect the first, you know, 120, 130 episodes we did into this actual component. But we're at that point where we, we need some play tests. We need we need some people at a table because, you know, rubber's about to hit the road or or perhaps burning noble gases are about to hit the the empty expansive space something like that. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what we really want to talk about today and what we want to waste no time getting into and, and working on giving you a, a strong value-added proposition in an efficient use of time is how to construct or what you'd think about for a starting adventure or kind of one-shot pitch at a local con on the Eden ship. Yes. I'm that, wasting no time. I'm being efficient. Way to do it. Um so we each have kind of approached this uniquely and how we're going to talk about this. So there's going to be a bit of back and forth between each of us as we go over our ideas, because that's how we do things here. <laughs> each of us will take turns kind of going through our main thoughts that are going to be collected in the doodly-doo, the show notes, which if you've ever looked at our show notes, you know that we have the best show notes in the game. Period. End of yeah, sentence. They're really long, too. <laughs> like I said, best. <laughs> Best. Most thorough and well, detailed. Most thorough and detailed and well-written. I mean, we could take them and put them behind a Patreon paywall, or we tried putting them up on a website, but people didn't go read them. So, you know, at least this time we have the illusion that people are reading them. But we'll That's go through true. our thoughts, and we'll give some feedback or ask some questions of each other, and go that way. And hopefully it will spur you to kind of ask yourself what you would do for a starting adventure or, or kind of pitch game for a new system, a new setting, and 
You know what I'm going to say. We want to hear what those ideas are. Find us on socials. Like, comment, share, subscribe, all of those things that make us grow and make us able to bring you this special set of thoughts on a regular basis. <laughs> okay. And I don't script these guys. I know. It's the funniest thing. Like, there is no... Yeah, he just he's dives just, in. He's just that good, guys. He's just that good. <laughs> So, uh, Jules, let's go with some of your stuff. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, we've been building this thing, even building this whole like universe, world, et cetera, however the heck you want to classify it. It's dense as hell. And the big problem is usually when you want to get a hook, you want to get everyone to play, you can't just, you know, uh, Okay, let's go for the trope number 23, subsection 14, Wayland Yanti kind of incurred. No, you don't want to do something. You have to look at what your players are playing. You know, is it a mix of tech and muscle? So, okay, maybe an away mission or an investigation on a part of a ship that's lost communication or something like that. Uh, or do you have it mostly muscle, uh, but you want to bring in a little bit of that political flavor? All right, act them. Have them act as a bodyguard to uh, an, to your ambassador that's going to visit a, a newly discovered uh, alien race, and you want to build up relations. So you know they've got to be, you know, be on their best behavior, but still be able to throw it out if need. Or if you guys are super techie heavy, you know, throw something that's like decrypting some new data or some alien tech. The thing is, though, you want to give your group an adventure and it's it doesn't have to be you know it, it doesn't have to be like nigh impossible it's got to be tough but the fun for the players and right nightmare for their characters that's the the one thing a lot of people kind of like okay if their characters are miserable the players are miserable no your your characters could be ab and abjectly uh miserable but the players could be having an absolute riot with the crap that they're going through you know so that you know, and the thing is, though, losing all the time isn't fun. But you know, not all victories have to be complete and total victories. You know, the the shuttle, yeah, you got away from that horrible asteroid field, but you know, some of the vital materials that you were carrying got lost, or something got damaged data wise, and you can't recover it. You know, they could successfully fight that incursion that was coming in, but no one noticed. You know, a hidden transmitter that got left behind. The thing is, you have to be able to strike the balance between like a victory that doesn't have to be 100%, but you have to give them some sometimes. Like, Not all losses have to be abjectly total, and not all victories have to be 100%. You kind of have to give them, if you want to do that one shot and hopefully build a campaign out of it, it's like, yeah, we won, but what is that shoe over there, and when is it going to drop? You kind of want to set that up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of things I see with a lot of you know uh, your intro to your your starting point, it feels kind of basic and tropey, which isn't bad if it's built for the the characters and the players that are playing it. If you build a you know fight off a daily incursion and all your guys are tech dweebs, you know it's like okay. You know, it's like they're not going to be the ones standing there with the pew pew lasers. They're going to be ones that's going to have to find out the solution of, of you know, using their, you know, forget my Star Trek, the deflector dish and, and redirecting, you know, 
Uh, well, yeah, they have to they have to play to their specialty to and a lot of make it work. And a lot of kind of intros do don't have that. You know, it's it's generic to the point of, you know, it, it's great that you can kind of slot, you know, almost anybody in there. But then it's why these dudes specifically. You know, it, it makes them feel like okay, the 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 world's first. The characters are an afterthought because you have the world. They're supposed to play in it though. Yeah, uh, this is the thing that a lot of those, you know, like the ad- there's an adventure in the back of the book, you know, that a lot of the early games really did all the time. There was always an adventure in the back of the book. Mm-hmm. And what that was is it was, yeah, you could run it straight like they published it if you wanted to, but... Those were always supposed to be kind of like, look at what they have, look at what your players are, and figure out how to make it work with what they want to do. One of the things I think this sort of a game adventure should do, a starting adventure, a pitch game at a local con, is it should examine the tropes that are intended for the game. We've talked a lot in the last 160 plus episodes about how different systems are better suited to different kinds of games because they allow different tropes to, to shine. Uh, I'm, I'm on the side of universal systems don't exist to be universally great. They exist to be universally good. Yeah. Not great. And what I, I, that's one of the things I like about the, those kinds of back of the book adventures is it told me what, the writers expected it told me what tropes what ideas what kind of even party composition was the default expectation yes and so for me this adventure is as much about communicating that as it is about the specific table and and players there yeah yeah because that is that's true there is each each one was really tailored to uh, those because like I just started running a changeling, the lost game for some people at the game store. And I, I went back and I was looking through it and I'm just like, Oh, that's right. They did do like, it wasn't an adventure. Well, it's kind of an adventure, but it's also like a setting. They did a city. And kind of set the game in that. And it was like, okay. So I started looking at it and I'm like, we see things differently. <laughs> well, and just as a side note, join the Patreon where there's an entire special episode where Zen and I debate old school Changeling the Dreaming and Wraith the Oblivion. Yeah. It's one of my favorite hours we've ever had. But <laughs> Jules, what which of us do you think needs to follow up with what you were talking about as kind of the best way to talk about this? Uh, because I think you've got a really good set of points. I, I think making sure when you know what you're getting sitting down that it's tailored. When you've had a session zero, tailoring it to that party composition matters a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I know that I kind of took the tack of 
you know, the, the idea of the local con run, the, hi, yes, look at me and look at my pretty new shiny thing that I would like to have people sit down and play. Oh, you have nothing else to do and everything else is full? Perfect. We're happy to have you. Yeah, and I, the thing is, like, when, when I went with this, I went with a, a much more kind of, like, higher rather than figuring out a hook because – I, you know me in analysis paralysis, and I will overthink things. So I was just thinking, it was like, okay, if I wanted to have a Destiny Zero, what would I want to take into account? But I know you can go into a lot more uh, granularity, Garmanche. So I think you'd actually be good for, it's like, I go with a little bit more high level. This, I think you'd be really good for introducing stuff that's a little bit more uh, granular, other little bit more, because uh, I went with, okay, what are the players and, and their characters? And I think you have a little bit more of how to mod i don't want to say the environment but maybe a very specific of the world uh for the players so yeah i kind of grabbed a specific plot thread idea that i thought could explain the eden ship and be able to be modified to a party um really easily because i think you know it should wet the appetite of the players it should introduce big parts of the campaign world and big themes it doesn't have to be my big campaign. It doesn't have to be like the big bad evil guy is forsaged here. But it may introduce some of those universal themes. So I looked at wanting to introduce different biomes on the ship. I wanted to think about factions. We know that I love political games and political infighting. So yes, I had to have factions. Preferably not those directly tied to the biomes involved. And at least one dangling mystery. Like you said, when's that shoe going to drop? Something that could springboard a new adventure, could start the campaign. It could just be a recurring gag that happens that just isn't tied up into a bow. A literal shoe. <laughs> it's like, what is that doing now? See, I've done that before. Uh, oh, yes. that was Anyway, different story. Maybe on Patreon. Um, the plot or adventure I would use, I'd start from the idea of power usage messing up the balance of the overall sh systems. You know, the command section and the people involved are, are, you know, perturbed. Maybe there's a particular reason. Maybe they're in the middle of, of negotiation. Maybe something else is going on. But the plans aren't going off as intended, and somebody's benefiting. This gets us to the possibility of a smuggling ring from the old chunks of the civil society recreational section of the ship we talked about way back when that are kind of smuggling things to the engineering section with an experiment that's gone off the rails, so they need these extra supplies. Great. From here, I've got politics with the command structure and whatever is causing this. I've got potential for exploration in, in ferreting out the smuggling ring or the engineering stores. And remember, we talked about uh, how that, that civil society, the recreational area, has random moments of being exposed to vacuum because of the way the ship saves energy. I've got danger. There's going to be combat. Someone's going to throw a punch. And I can dial these up and down depending on the party at the table. If it's a bunch of roleplay heavy, then I can get into a lot of talks and conversations and what's going on. If it's combat heavy, well, I've got at least four points in the last paragraph I talked about that could have punches thrown or shots fired or something. Exploration all over. And it drives home the themes of resource management. It drives home the theme of scarcity. It drives the idea of the balance of power on the Eden ship, creating kind of the entirety of this campaign world in a nutshell. Limited resources that are always at stake. Humans arguing with each other, 
with a little bit of the unknown creeping at the edges, all contained in a big metallic sphere you can't get out of. Mostly. And that's how I'd shape the first adventure. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you're the one if to to go with a little bit figuring out something that could you could modify tweak to fit whatever type of party you got. Even if it's even it's a real mixed bag. Oh yeah. I mean that's what I would hand to a demo team if they were taking it to a convention. And I'd have, you know, I'd probably be able to in one page combat, one page politics, one page exploration, say if they prefer this, here's where you can dial this up, here's where you dial this up, here's where you dial that up. And that's probably a max of 10 to 12 pages for a demo team agent to be able to have a full three to four hour session. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of what you want. Especially in these, these like introductory kind of adventure. Come join. Yeah, the come join us adventures. Yeah. We all love Shadowrun. This is the equivalent of, of everyone's favorite. Queen Euphoria? I mean, that is the favorite, but that's not how we get into it. Oh. DNA DOA. I'm just going to shake my head here and, and, and <laughs> in Steffer Shack goodness. And... I was thinking food fight, but that's me. It is food fight. It is food fight. <laughs> okay. I was, I, cause... He, he's just trying to hurt me. He's oh. trying to hurt me. That's all that's going on. I love you. Yeah. I would not do that, uh, except accidentally. You know that. Well, it, every iteration of food fight tells you something about that edition of Shadowrun. Yeah, it does. And that was something I took as... That was a very instructive piece of design architecture for me, was understanding how this same baseline concept would be translated differently in each edition. And it told me something about what was valued by the edition, what the goal was, what the overall... What what do the kids these days call vibes are. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's something in your first adventure to always think about is what are the vibes you're giving off? What what does this tell you about not just if you're doing a proper session zero, you've already done this with your party, you've already have some of this figured out, but what does the setting and the system, if it's a new system, make you feel? Yeah. And so, Zen, I, I will hand the baton to you. <laughs> okay. With that. So my thought is for a because this was originally like an introductory starting adventure. Now these are kind of a big deal because this is it's supposed to kind of give you a general feel for what the setting is supposed to do, which is what we've been saying because that's kind of what I've always felt. Those always tell you what the game is supposed to feel like and what it shines at doing. At least that in like the biggest and most broad strokes is what it should do that in. It shouldn't be like, this is a game of political intrigue and you have just an entire adventure, like starting an adventure that's just a bunch of political intrigue. Because that, while that may be what you want to run, and that's what you always run, this isn't always that there's more going on. And so I always thought of these kind of as 
almost more like springboards for more ideas that will hopefully lead to campaign ideas from what happens with the way that the characters interact with these adventures, especially this first adventure, you know, because I mean, the object is for you guys to, well, like you and your friends to play this and have fun for a long time. And so that is where like my philosophy behind these starting adventures is. Now, one of the things that we're always talking about are the themes that go on in it. And for something like a starting adventure, you kind of want to pick maybe one, maybe two of the really big themes that we've talked about for what like Eden ship is supposed to be. And those are kind of kind of wonky because when you start dealing with a lot of politics and everything else, like you want to lay a lot of that groundwork for those concepts in these themes very, very early on so that when they start building, like they're constantly building, but if you lay that groundwork really early, it's always there and it's always going whether or not the current characters that are playing realize that's what's going on. I think even if it's just something that's going on in the background, like you lay that groundwork initially and then it builds over the course of the adventure, even (laughs) in whatever that theme is, you know, whatever your big theme that you've chosen is. (laughs) If that's, yeah, so if you've got like a whole group of meatheads, you know, resource management ain't going to be their forte, but it's going to affect them. Right. So whatever that big theme that you want to make as that first starting adventure, like that is, you know, play against type. You know, <laughs> don't play into the type, play against it and see what really happens. What does it force those characters to do and how does it force them to grow? Just, you, you know, the thing is even like, in a, yeah, politics. Even in a starting adventure, you can do that. It's for some people, politics is super nom nom. And for some people, it's not. But yeah. as long as you can make it, you know, it's like if, so, you know, if someone's like, look, no, I don't, I deal with politics every day. I don't want to have to deal with it in my RPG. Totally cool. You don't have to have them do the, you can have the, the diplomatic offside, but they're going to have to deal with what was decided the fallout of that exactly from time to time Mm -hmm. yeah when it's easy to dial it up and down with how much it matters you can describe the results of the political machinations that they don't want to get involved with but their challenges come in dealing with what that means instead of fallout of that right exactly yeah and then that's that's how you can balance against not just what your players want but what the setting asks for Yes. As I'm sure we've all had games where something just didn't match up with the setting. The game that was running just seemed out of Off. place. Yeah, And it may be that it eschewed a part of that setting because the players weren't interested, but in doing so, didn't fill that, that gap with anything. So right. instead of ignoring it, it's just something that 
isn't going to affect the agency of the players, but impacts what they do have the agency to do. Yeah. So now those this this first kind of starting adventure, I always feel like they need to have just a couple of locations, not like a not like a huge dungeon or anything crazy like that. Like have an area that only covers like at the most like four or five. And that and when I'm talking areas, I'm talking like Bay 163 and, you know, like the cryo chamber, you know, section and like keep it kind of small for all of this. Because that way, if you can keep it kind of tight, once you kind of lay out what those locations are, then you can really kind of dive into the people that populate those areas. But also remember, this is a huge, massive ship that is in decline, and not every area will or even should have people in it. And sometimes that environment should be its own character in those spaces, and all of those spaces should feel unique and not like the rest of the areas. And so with all of that, then you have... So you've got your areas, you've kind of got people in those areas, and you've got your big gross overall concept that uh, theme that you're going with. The rest of it is filling in those things like, you know, having combat in those areas. And, you know, if you have, you know, like Edenship has psychics, but they're not like other things, or at least we've alluded to them being there in certain ways. And those aren't really like a thing that you can, they're, they're kind of a thing that happens in the background with some of the other things. Even if you have somebody that is of one, because we've never really dived too deeply into what are all the things that the psychics can do. So, having the, you know, your combat, your tech things, like, you know, your survival, your resource management, all of those little components that go into living on this ship. You should have a little bit of all of those in that starting adventure. And with everything else that's going on, like you've got, you know, if you've got factions that you're throwing in as well, like if we combined all of these ideas we would have a really, really tight, but really focused and highlighting all the things that are the Eden ship. At the and end I of the day, that's at the what end, you need. Yeah. At the end of the day, the adventure needs to highlight what's unique, highlight what's familiar, and entice people to want to keep exploring and playing in that world. And that combination of what's unique and what's familiar is the tricky part of a lot of settings today. We live in what may be the golden age of of tabletop role-playing game development. The number of indie games and even big and moderate-sized games out there is astounding. It may well beat 1980. And you've got to find something that is unique and intriguing but also familiar enough that you don't feel like you're starting from scratch. 
the concept of the TTRPG and of gaming is now universal enough that the audience isn't going to want to have to work for everything. Yeah. Yeah. It mm. is it is you big I mean when when it is a multi billion dollar industry. Major movie pictures based on TTRPG intellectual property are coming out. TV yeah. shows and some of the most watched events in the world revolve around these concepts and IPs. We are seeing conversations in mainstream media about the business of TTRPGs. People know yeah. what it is. So yeah. no longer can you expect the people who actually pick it up to be willing to do every single bit of the work from zero to go because there are a lot of other options. That's yeah. the that's the double edge. That's the other side. And yeah. so this adventure has to make them feel at home. It has to make them go, ooh, what's over this next metaphorical hill? And it has to make them feel, like Jules was saying, not like they've lost everything, but like they've been challenged. Yeah. You know, the, if the big thing is that, you know, when you're when you're trying to rope somebody in, the thing is, is like you always, you know, think about it if almost as like a, as a mini series. You want to you want to go, OK, this is really cool. And then have them do cool stuff and then have fallout from the cool and maybe not so cool stuff, depending on how the dice like to play with you. But the thing is, is like, okay, it's like, well, that part went bad. And then and if you can hear him start talking at the table, well, how could we fix that screw up? We lost that stuff in the asteroid field. But, you know, if we or we could try and find that, you know, then, you know, you've done something right. If you've got them planning for what they're going to do next, especially with the fallout. And they can't and usually especially for a, a first session, you don't want everything to go to heck, you know, but leaving them something that they would talk about, okay, let's try and fix this or let's try and research this. Then, you know, you did it right. Yeah. You know, that's yep. when they start planning for the next adventure without you even kind of bugging it, you know, thumbs up to you. Yeah. And so I guess at that point, I'm just going to go back to what I said earlier. Find us on socials. Tell us what you would do to construct a, an opening or pitch adventure Preferably for the Eden ship because we are, you know, biased and vain and want to hear about how cool you think what we've been doing is. Or your own homebrew. What, what yeah. are the aspects you want to include? What would you want to make sure was in there and why? And, and it's socials. We're not going to name them all. You know how to find them. Most of them are, you know, in various stages of, of you know, late stage capitalist decline. And so hopefully it'll, the one you want to look for us on it will still be there when you look yeah <laughs> good luck with that <sighs> let's sigh yep so next time what are we doing next time we are doing uh ooh, we're doing a campaign start so now that we've convinced your players to come back and sit around the table for a regular Eden game ship. We're going to do the first part of how to, or how we would design a campaign in this setting. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to the rest of this season, where we talk about the Eden ship and its parts and components and, and what we're thinking about perfect time to go do that. 
because we're going to draw from that. Draw right. from. And you got you got two weeks. Or if you're listening to us in the future, hit pause, go back, listen to everything, come back. Yeah. Also, I may be adding things from my period of time where I was absent and didn't directly contribute, which means come back next week for surprises and new information. (laughs) Information. I'm going to run like hell because information is power and power corrupts. And I know what you can do with that, Garter Manger. I'm going to (laughs) run. Study hard, be evil. (laughs) Before we go, Zen, you got anything to wish people well while they are listening to our previous episodes they might have missed to make sure they're ready for how a a campaign from one of us or all of us would look? Uh, No, but I have have this awesome uh, show that I started watching with with my wife because I'm getting ready to run uh, Curse of Stroud eventually. And so I started watching the, the Netflix... Uh, Dracula series that came out a couple of years ago. And um, I am going to steal liberally <laughs> some ideas out of there. Um, it is, it's really cool. It's a, it's a different take on Dracula and Harker and all of it. How does it compare to like the the '90s TV show? Um, it's it's a BBC series that's produced by Netflix, so it is uh, it's good. It's also, I mean, I'm not. It, it's not much of. So it's it's three episodes that are like 90 minutes so it's like watching three movies basically Mm -hmm. is what it is and i just finished the first part and it is so good like i'm like i can't watch anymore i have to go to bed (laughs) (laughs) otherwise i'm gonna be late for work and i really wanted to watch the next one and then the third one and i'm like i can't i have to go to work so, yeah, it was uh, – it is way better than it has any right to be, I think, because Dracula is one of those kind of well-trotted characters, and they take him in a totally new direction. Well, and that's why I was you know, tagging the 90s series was it was one of the first – like big times I saw Dracula get taken in a, a, a different uh, direction. Yeah, they they definitely do that with this, but they still pay so much, you know, to the original story. Yeah, well, for anyone who does not know, well, I'm going to save that for later. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm now thinking about that old series. Now I've got to see if I can... Like watching it, it. it's available. Yes, because it <laughs> it was fun. It's the first time the whole Alexander Lucard thing made sense to me. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the actual name for for yeah. It's the first time I encountered Alexander Lucard and that whole thing. Yep. 
So, Jules, what have you got? Uh, well, I, I've been... Uh, I, I guess I've been found like a, a lot of nostalgia. So I went back to my favorite book of a boy with an owl learning about magic, the books of magic by Neil Gaiman. And it was, it, it's Neil Gaiman who's freaking awesome, but it's, um, it, it's really interesting. Uh, this kid is taught about, uh, magic by Phantom Stranger, John Constantine, Dr. Colt, and Mr. E. And mm. oh, yeah. And I'm sorry, but it, it, I'm sorry, but the only I you read one one line, you just can't stop laughing just for a while. It's just like, oh, great. It's the March of the Trench Coat Brigade. And it's like, I heard <laughs> that, John. And he's just like, damn it. You know, because of course, yep. Constantine being sarcastic self. And I couldn't stop giggling. First, I was laughing my brains out at that thing because I'm. I couldn't stop because it's like, it was just so pitch perfectly done, but the art is beautifully done and it's uh, very, very different depending on the past, the present, the, the fairy lands, the future, uh, et cetera. And it beautifully done, but it, it's, it's dark without it being, you know, it had a lot of that, like that nineties kind of dark edge to it, but it works. It re it and honestly, it's like I'm sorry, but that's I think I think that's where the idea of the trench coat brigade started, if I recall correctly. As far as I know, that was the birth of the trench coat brigade. Yeah, yeah. So I I highly recommend it. It's you can you know you can buy the books, um, or you could get it for your Kindle, and it's it's just been a lot of fun, just kind of revisiting, yeah, you know, and. The, the kid names the owl Yo-Yo. I mean, it's it's so charming. You know, there's there's dark and edgy bits, but there's little bits of charm and whimsy. And I love how they're both treated with the respect I think they both deserve. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, Automoje, what you got? Well, I'm going to recommend something to kind of help people reset where they are because I think all of us are in a weird space or at least I am and need the occasional reset and it's Rachmaninoff's Rhapsody on the theme of Paganini it's it could be any work of classical music but you've probably heard the 18th variation out of out of this and put on some headphones or if you've got a home sound system that that's worth it, use that, but shut off your distraction, shut off notifications. If you can turn off your phone, lose yourself in a singular work and thematic piece of, of classical music. Jot down anything you want when you are done, but try to take the, take the length of it to, to hear it, to listen to it, to feel it and, and give yourself time to do nothing but, soak in that input not the easiest thing to do some of us ha have additional challenges on sensory no. input <laughs> or someone that is a classical music thing i can't listen to anything i've played without yeah, analyzing fair. the crap out of it it's so find a different piece <laughs> no but if you've played this particular piece on the theme of paganini um i think it, it feels apt for right now it feels oh i agree like something to listen to right now in this kind of 
era of the world and, and everything. And it's hard to explain unless you put on the headphones, shut everything else off, and go listen to that, and then find me on social and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> and he- hey, see, I'm trying to drive interaction. I'm doing the thing. No, but here's you. the yeah. thing. is like as someone who's actually performed that piece, you're right. It is, you know, it's like if I could listen, I probably would listen to a different arrangement uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't what part of my thing, but just to listen to like, what do they do differently and see what I can get absorbed in that? Because if it's not, if, if it's in a format I've performed before, yeah, I'm just going to analyze and critique it. But if it's something new, this might be interesting. Well, and this is one of those kind of fun, weird ones that like has that um, weird early 20th century art nouveau orchestra and piano, both kind of equally fighting. It's hard to explain. You'll hear it when you listen to it. So and and, and you'll yeah, and you'll know exactly what it is we're trying to describe with concrete words the emotional varietude, the emotional the journey actually. Yeah. Yeah. It got it's weird yeah. on it develops themes weirdly. Yeah. And the thing is, is like if you actually take the time and set the look how much time you've got, set that time aside. And you'll first be like, okay, I am listening to it. And then you'll be taking on a journey and you won't realize when you've started and when it ends until the music stops. Yeah, you got some weird fine art people here, but we're also folk art people. That's a whole different debate and conversation. So you've heard us talk about how we'd set up a starting adventure. You've heard us talk about what we think matters in those. And you've heard us give you some things to watch, listen, and read in the intervening time before we come back about developing a whole campaign. Do we have anything left to cover? Oh, and when you do listen to that piece, let us know what version, who performed it. It's just like, oh, I listened to it, you know, by the uh, Boston Pops or something of that nature. You know, let us know what version you heard, because I'm sure they all sound kind of different. I'd love to know. Every live performance is a little different. Mm-hmm. Yep, It's the Always. magic of live theater, the magic of live music, the magic of live shows. It all matters. Oh, and a friend of the pod, Matt say, good old Opti and Fragging Unicorn Games have dropped the Subversion Kickstarter. By the time this comes out, you should still have some time to pledge. If not, Backer Kit will be available. And we did a little interview about that a number of episodes back. Ooh, a number of episodes back. Yeah. Needless to say, (laughs) needless to say, friend of the pod, overall good mensch, and a game that should be a lot of fun for a lot of our listeners. Yep. I backed it. One of the first 20. (laughs) I'm not surprised. (laughs) So, in the meantime. Until next time, folks. Like some games. Roll some dice. And have lots and lots of fun. Bye. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and can hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handle this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter. Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice or go to seizethegm.com for convenient links. 
Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.